Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. I've listed the scripture as uh, Luke 2, beginning in verse 25, uh, but I'm actually going to read uh, the traditional Christmas story first, uh, Luke 2, beginning in verse 8, I'll read through 20, and then we'll go to verse 25. Uh, don't, I am referencing this as a part of the service, but don't be afraid, there's no extra charge for this extra reading, even though it wasn't in the bulletin. This is coming absolutely free. Uh, also, though, we usually read out of the New Revised Standard Version, which is the Pew Bible, but the Christmas stories just read better to me in the King James. So today, we're going to hear these in the, in the King James Version. Now, in that same region, there were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for see, I am bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find the child wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to whom he favors. When the angels had left them and gone to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place, which the Lord has made known to us. So they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the child lying in the manger. When they saw this, they made known what had been told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds told them. And Mary pondered these words in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told them. And now in verse 25, Behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let thou thy servant depart in peace according to thy word. For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles and the glory of thy people Israel. Amen. Well, we've learned at the Hollingsworth house uh, that sometimes... Big gifts have to be hidden, and sometimes small gifts hide themselves. 
We've been a victim of that already this year. Now, one year at Christmas, we gave my dad a golf bag. That's an example of the big gift that has to be hidden. You can't put a golf bag next to the tree with the the shirt boxes and it not give itself away. So we had to keep it in the car. When it was time to get, we had to go to the car, get the golf bag, bring it in. But we learned this year that little gifts can hide themselves. The earrings that Melissa bought for my niece managed to find their own hiding place somewhere in the boxes and the tissue and the wrapping and all of that, and those earrings have still not come out of hiding. I don't know what this niece is going to be getting for Christmas. I think she's responded. I'm not sure. You also know that the boxes can be deceiving, that uh, sometimes what is the most precious gift isn't always in the big box, right? I mean, when under the tree, the wrapped-up basketball looks more impressive than the bracelet. So sometimes it can fool you. Well, I'm not sure if, in the Gospel of Luke, if Luke intends for these phrases that I'm about to point out to be hidden little gifts or not. But one of the most scandalous parts of the Christmas story, Luke just drops in just almost unnoticed, but he drops it in all over the place, all over the gospel. And at first, it, 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 it just doesn't seem as radical as it actually is. But the, the radical nature of these little gifts doesn't just scream out at you at first. And so, you have to really dig in because Luke can be kind of sneaky but before I show you what I'm talking about, let's review some of the obvious so that, uh, so that these gifts will pop a little bigger. First of all, uh, Jesus was Jewish. I hope that's not coming as a shock to anybody. Nobody walked out, right? Jesus was Jewish. So the Jesus movement was not at first a separate religion. It was a movement within Judaism. And so Jesus is a Jew. He's disrupting the Jewish religious order. And a part of what is so disruptive in his coming is that he's stirring up whether or not he is the promised Messiah. As you know, the Israelites have been looking for the promised Messiah for years and years and years. They know that Messiah is going to come from the line of David, that Messiah is coming to save the Israelites. The Jewish community is a small little group inside of a much larger culture, and they're waiting for this Savior to come who is going to put their tribe back in power. So, Messiah, Jewish leader for the Jewish people, This is happening inside that little group. This isn't hard to explain. So now, here's the little hidden scandal that Luke keeps popping up. Jesus has come for all. And Jesus is not just a fulfillment of the Jewish hope. Jesus is the light of the world, which means... 
He's come for the world. And Luke drops this all over the place. If, if you go read through the whole gospel this afternoon, right before your nap, and if you're looking for it, you're going to find it all over. Just in the passages I read, there are two examples. When the angels come to declaring to the shepherds living in the field, do not be afraid. I'm bringing you good news of great joy for all the people. When Simeon, the old Jewish man, lays eyes on the infant Jesus, Simeon's holding the infant baby and he says, For mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people. It's scandalous. You see, Luke is different. For instance, the Gospel of Matthew is decidedly Jewish. Matthew is writing to a Jewish audience trying to convince them that this is the Jewish Messiah. So, so when Matthew does the lineage of Jesus, when he says his daddy was Joseph and Joseph's daddy was Jacob and his daddy was Nathan, and he goes all the way back, he goes to David, of course, because the Messiah has to come from the line of David. And then he keeps going with his daddy and his daddy and his daddy till he gets to Abraham, and then he just stops. Because that's all you need to know, really. Jesus is from the line of Abraham and David. Jesus is Jewish. He's one of us. That's what Matthew wants you to know. But Luke is sneaky. I told you. He is so sneaky with this radical inclusion stuff so that when Luke does the genealogy, his daddy and his daddy and his daddy and his daddy, he includes David and Abraham, but he doesn't stop. And he goes all the way back to Adam, the father of humankind. In other words, now everybody can say, he is one of us. The angel said, do not be afraid. For see, I'm bringing you news of great joy for all the people. And Simeon said, my eyes have seen thy salvation, which has been prepared before the face of all people. This is, of course, good news for us, since none of us is Jewish. So the scandal of the Jew Jesus inclusion means that you and I have been invited into the Christmas story. But there's a challenge that comes with this scandalous good news. Now it's our turn to hear the radical message of Luke's gospel that we do not own the Jesus story either. One of the things that Luke was correcting with his gospel was this idea, this idea that was happening within some of parts of the Jewish community that they said, the Messiah is ours, and he's ours alone. He came to save us, nobody else. And believe it or not, there are some Christians who are acting the same way now. They say Jesus is ours. 
And we'll decide who gets let in on the Christmas miracle. Because Jesus belongs to us. That's why Luke makes us uncomfortable when he starts using words like all. Because all is a scandalous word. Is there anybody not included in the word all? Is there any group of people whom you have not yet drawn into your Christmas circle? This is scandalous. Jesus' wide inclusion should make us all a little bit uncomfortable. And it does at least beg an uncomfortable question. Is there any group of people I still treat as outsiders to the good news? If so, that's going to bump up against this being great joy for all the people. Salvation has been prepared before the face of all people. Which means our task in the new year is to see everybody made in the image of God and include them in the Christmas story with a wide embrace and inclusion that is radical enough to be called Christian because Jesus was radical enough to include you and me too. Thanks be to God. Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponstelian Baptist Church.